Our reading for today comes from the 10th chapter of Hebrews. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, brothers and sisters, it's good to be together. Let me assure you that grace and peace are yours in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Well, as as we go through this this time together, I'm going to use words that are familiar to you, and I'm going to assume that we all understand them, but I'm going to try to define them as we go along, because I'm going to use words like faith, hope, and community. And I want to make sure that we understand each other so that you can get the full confidence and the uh, the full comfort that comes from knowing what God gives to us in those things. And so as we go into these, I want to remind you of, uh, of what it looks like to hold on, what it looks like to hold on to the promise, what it looks like to hold on to hope in Jesus Christ. I, I don't know how many of you saw, uh, saw this news story this past year. It was August 28th, 2020. Uh, on August 28th, there was this little girl. Uh, she was three years old. Initially, she was reported as being four, but then they later said, no, she was three. Three years old, off the coast of Greece, she was at the beach with her family, and she was using one of those floaties, a unicorn floaty. And as she was, got on this unicorn floaty, was out on the sea, all of a sudden these currents that they didn't know were there were so strong that they swept her out to sea. And she was swept out so far away that her family couldn't rescue her. She was so far out that they were trying desperately to do anything they could to signal someone some way to try to rescue her. This is what the New York Times said about it. It said, This wind grabbed hold of both her and the flotation device before her parents could react. Within moments, she was carried out to sea, adrift and alone, clinging to the unicorn's neck. That was when Gregoris Carnesis, did my best with the name, a veteran Greek ferry boat captain, spotted the child. At first, he couldn't believe what he was seeing. She was so small and the toy she was floating on was moving so fast that he barely had time to think. It's such an unbelievable picture, isn't it? Of this little girl clinging to this floaty, clinging to this unicorn's neck, her only hope of, of saving, her only hope of rescue, not knowing what to do and just being so terrified. What, what a picture. And what a picture of what it means to hold on to hope. We know as Christians is that faith gives us something to hold on to. And that thing is hope. Faith gives us something to hold on to. Faith is what God works in our hearts. Faith is the thing that trusts in all that God does. That's what's spoken of in the beginning part of Hebrews 10. In the beginning part of Hebrews 10, uh, the writer to the Hebrews says, we have confidence to enter the most holy place through the blood of Jesus. And now that imagery isn't so familiar to us. It's words and wording from the Old Testament. 
It speaks of the most holy place, which remember that that's the Holy of Holies. That's a place where the Ark of the Covenant was inside the tabernacle or the temple. And that's where God's presence dwelt. And they couldn't go in. Only the priest could. And only to offer sacrifices with, with fanfare and with certain ceremonies. The people couldn't go in. But the writer to the Hebrews now says, we have confidence to enter into that place, to go into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus, we are, we are acceptable to the Father. By the blood of Jesus, we can be in his presence. And because we can be in his presence, we can therefore go for forgiveness. We can therefore go to receive the good gifts that he has for us. And we can have full assurance in his presence. Full assurance because of Jesus Christ that we are completely forgiven and acceptable to the Father. You see, that's the gift of faith. The gift of faith gives us something to hold on to, hope in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus allows us to go into the presence of God because we know what Jesus has done. Now you might, you might say, well then, what does it mean for us to have faith? Again, I said I would define that word for you really simply. Faith equals trust. Trust in what God is doing and trust in what God has done. We're pretty familiar with the word trust. And that's why it's a good definition for us of faith. And understand that the scriptures tell us over and over again that faith is a gift of God. It's not something that we ourselves achieve. That God works this faith, this trust in us, so that we can be with him. He allows us to love him. He allows us to trust in him, to believe in him. This is what God does for us. And this is what allows us something onto which we can hold. We can hold on to hope. He said, well, why would we ever let go? And the simple answer, which you know already, is because of sin. That sin causes us to lessen our grip on hope. In fact, sin destroys hope. Because sin is a, a way that we push God away. Sin is a way that we say we prefer our way better than your way. Sin is a way that we decide that we're more important, we're better, we are all those things and not God. That's what sin does in our lives. But praise be to God in Jesus. We don't have to live as people who have crushed hope. Instead, that's where that gift of faith comes back in. It's not our own work. It's the work of God. Remember that from Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? Faith is a gift of God given to us by his work and not ours so no one can boast. And since it's God's work, even in our sin, we can return to him. In our sin, we can return to him and remember what the body and blood of Jesus Christ have done for us. And remember that as God works this in us, we are his children. We are his people. We are in his presence. And that, once again, restores our hope. It gives us something to which we can cling. It allows us to hold on and to know what God is doing in us. You see, when we're in faith, the writer of the Hebrews continues, we can have confidence. And he says that multiple ways. We can have confidence in what Jesus Christ has done. We can have confidence in being in his presence. We can have confidence that our sins are forgiven. And because they are, we are in his presence in peace. It's what faith does. It reminds us that even in our darkest moments, God is holding on to us. And he never lets go. And because he holds on to us, we can hold on to hope. Now, go back to that little girl again. Holding on to hope 
is a little like that girl getting out into deep water, right? The very thing that took her out into the deep water is the only thing to which she can cling, right? The thing that she's clinging to, the thing that she's holding on to, that little unicorn raft is the only thing that's drawing her out into that deep water. And faith is a lot like that. Faith will draw us into deep water. Faith will draw us into situations in which we find ourselves most vulnerable and out of control. Faith will draw us into situations that we might say, I, I, never, I never planned to be here in the first place. Faith draws us out of our comfort zones, expanding them, letting us know what's truly possible. When we find ourselves in those situations, we have nothing but faith to hold on to. We have nothing but hope in Jesus Christ to sustain us. And now, now that doesn't seem like a very practical plan, does it? And it isn't. It doesn't make any sense in this world to say that all I'm going to do is, is cling to hope in Jesus Christ. All I'm going to do is hold on to hope. But hope believes what is impossible. And I've already used that word hope so many times that it's almost almost past time to define it, but I'm going to define it right now. Hope is trust in a preferable future despite the evidence of the present because of the testimony of the past. That, that's my favorite definition of it. Trust in a preferable future despite the evidence of the present because of the testimony of the past. Hope believes the impossible. The Bible's full of stories of hope. One of my favorites is the story of Abraham. Do you remember the story of Abraham? It's told in, in the book of Genesis. Abraham and his wife Sarah, the Bible tells us, were, were barren. Sarah couldn't have children. And at the point when, when we really get going with the story of Abraham and this promise that's made to him, he's already very old. In fact, it says that his body is as good as dead. And yet into this scene, God comes. And he makes a promise to Abraham. You will be the father of many nations. You, you can read about it in Genesis 15 and Genesis 17. You'll be the father of many nations, and they will be great. And this promise is so unbelievable, so difficult for them to fathom, that Sarah doesn't believe it. In fact, she laughs at God. You can read about that in Genesis, Genesis 16. But Abraham doesn't laugh. In fact, later on in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul will tell us exactly what's going on in the mind of Abraham. He says, hoping against hope, Abraham believed. Hoping against hope, Abraham believed. Against all odds, against all evidence of the present, his wife was barren, he was as good as dead, they had no children of their own, against all evidence of the present, he believed, he trusted in the preferable future which God had ordained, which God had promised to him. He believed in that, he trusted in that future because of the testimony of the past. Because he knew the way that God had worked in his life and he knew the way that God had dealt with others in his, that God had dealt with others in his kingdom. Abraham, against all hope, believed. He held on to hope. And God made it so. And Sarah conceived and gave birth to a son named Isaac. The start of a, of a great nation. 
God worked this in Abraham, the one who would hope against hope, the one who against all odds would trust in what God had promised. That's a picture of hope. And that's the hope that we can have because hope believes the impossible, but it takes the next step, you see. Hope in faith believes the impossible and makes it tangible. It puts it to the test. It says, here in this world, here in this life, these things are going to matter. This trust that God has worked in my life, though it has driven me into deep water, that which I cling to, that hope which is mine is enough. It's enough to sustain me through it. Because I, no matter where I am, have never escaped God's presence. And I've always been in his grasp. Now, I want to make this really practical for you, as if it might not be enough. I want to make this really practical for you by returning to Hebrews 10, and I want to point something out in the text for you. I want to point out the fact that this text has two really important words, and those words are let us. Let us. You see, Hebrews 10 isn't written to individuals. It's written to us as a body of believers. It's written to us together. It says, let us do these things three times. Let us. It's written to the corporate. It's written to our faith community. And as it's written to our faith community, we learn something so important. Faith isn't just about me and Jesus. Faith is about us and Jesus. It's about God making a promise to us together. And as he makes a promise to us together, we are together called to hold on to this hope which means when I'm not strong, and when I'm not strong enough, I have brothers and sisters who are with me who can be my strength. When I don't have enough, I have others around me who do. See, God calls us to be community. And that's what community is all about. It's about brothers and sisters who walk together on this journey of life. Brothers and sisters who care for one another, who encourage one another. You see, that's the second part, the second let us. It says, let us spur one another on to good deeds and acts of love. Why would we do that? Well, it tells us this important truth that we're in the, when we're in deep water, we shouldn't stop doing. But instead, we should have others around us to continually move us forward, to continually encourage us in our walk forward. And that's exactly the time, those times when it seems impossible, when we should stop focusing on ourselves and focus more on us. Focus more on the collective group to know that you're not alone in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the sea, in the middle of whatever you're facing, but that God has caused others and drawn others to be around you in the midst of it. It brings us to the third, the third, let us. Let us not stop meeting together. Let us not stop being ones who are, who are called out of the world to be in community together. Let us, let us not stop meeting together with one another. You see, we need this. We need to be with one another. And we've learned that or seen that even more this past year, haven't we? Of how we yearn and long to be in each other's presence. And even when that can only happen virtually, we know that God is still in that community and that God is able to transcend bounds of technology and that God can use even these things, that God wants us to be in fellowship with one another that the relationship between us is of critical importance. And yes, that relationship is easiest when we are face-to-face. That relationship is easiest when we are able to meet physically together. That's God's intention for us, that we would be close enough 
that we can encourage one another. That we can encourage one another so that we continue to do these things, the text says, even as the end approaches. And what's the word here? It reminds us that the water might get even deeper and the situation might get even more perilous, more dangerous. But we are never alone. Let us, let us be together, ones who, who hold on to hope, hold on to the word of God that reminds us that God is with us, reminds us that God is is clinging to us, is holding on to us, and that God will never let go, and that because he works this faith in us, let us hold on to hope. One more time, go back to that little girl. She's more than a quarter mile offshore when she's spotted by a ferry boat captain. And this This ferry boat is 335 feet long. That's the length of a football field. And the captain knows he has to do something to rescue this little girl. And so what he said he did was he wanted to make sure that he didn't disrupt her in any way because he was afraid that if he disrupted her, she might let go. And so he said he created a lake around her, making the water as still as possible. He turned off the rear engines of the boat and only used the front ones. And painstakingly, Slowly, he dragged the boat, he moved the boat into position. He allowed that ramp, which normally took cars on board the ferry, to get so close to her, so gently and so slowly, so carefully, until one of the mates of the boat was able to grab her out of the water and rescue her. It's an amazing rescue story. What a picture. What a picture of what God does for us as we are reminded that he calms the sea, that he stills the waters around us. We are reminded that he cares for us gently as a loving father, and that he draws others into the situation so that they also might participate in the rescue, so that they also might be ones who allow his message, who allow his word to be in our hearts and our minds. That together, we are reminded of a God who rescues. So that together, We can hold on to hope. For the glory of Jesus Christ, amen.